Burke, you proposed this cheers, so let us have it. Sure, this cheers is dedicated to the fine Washington state officials who eradicated that big old murder hornet nest. Okay, why do you find them laudable? I have my reasons, and I imagine they are comically different from yours, because I'm a dummy. I just don't. And you're a it's man just that of kind letters. Of bravery, that kind of bravery to suit up and face murder hornets. It is like aliens. It's like aliens. Okay, okay, mine was going to be... I was amazed that they didn't spend the entire time making aliens references. Mm-hmm. I'd have never gotten out of the van. All right. Like <laughs> it would have been like another bug hunt. Huh? Like I, I just, the entire time I would get be, out of this chicken shit outfit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Keep this one for close encounters. And I pull out like a PVC tube. Like I, I just, we'd never get it. We'd never finish. We would lose the light is what I'm saying. I would be too busy referencing. Ooh. James Cameron's aliens. Um, Cheers to those people. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> fucking do that. Are you kidding me? I can't. There's not an excuse I wouldn't make up if whatever job I was doing, someone was like, hey, man, I need you to put on this suit and go get those murder hornets. I would sooner tell someone that I was going to early vote for Trump than put that suit on <laughs> and get those fucking hornets. No. <laughs> Cheers cheers to these people and their, frankly, ununderstandable bravery. Okay. All right. Tink? Think. Cheers, Ross. I'll add it in post. All right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the good news is I'll never listen to this, so I'm just going to assume you're not lying. <laughs> <laughs> Big of you, Spencer. Thanks. Uh-huh. All right. Tr- it's uh, called trust. It's an integral component of an effective team, Caleb. All right. Hey everybody, I'm Caleb. I'm Spencer. I'm Burke. That's Burke. And we're here with we, producer we Ross. And this is the Mix Six, where we have six conversations, drink six beers, random on a five-point scale. And uh, we're recently voted Junji Ito's favorite podcast. Hey, congrats. Yeah. So it's good to know. Wow. Famed horror manga artist Junji Ito has... We've officially finally gotten his endorsement. My people got back to me. Feels like we should have heard about that before, man. Uh, yeah. He just made a big spiral on that contract I sent him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that's a yes. So, Junji wow. Ito's favorite podcast. Tell your friends. We don't need a pre-party. We're Junji Ito's favorite now. He's our best friend. <laughs> that's it. Um, that's not like we're going anywhere. We're so. not going to have it at all. You're just going to get the rating system raw, and you're going to love it because... He draws cats and monsters both really well, and he likes us. So, Burke, hit him with it. Hey, I'm Burke. This is my uh, rating system, which uh, this episode is the last one in which I will join you from my Pasadena residence. I'm moving back to the East Coast next week, so I did a rating system of things I will or won't miss about my time in California. So, one is a beer you would not miss if it were to vanish off the market. And a thing that I absolutely will not miss about California are the real estate prices. Unless you want four to six roommates, everything is many thousands of dollars for Mm. almost no space. Uh, It's fucking terrible. I'm really excited to cut my rent down by 75%. Will not not miss one bit. Yeah, you normally have to learn a different language for that kind of rent, rent cut. Yeah, yeah. Or, or move to the country. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of moving to the country, number two, 
uh, is abysmal public transit infrastructure. I was extremely spoiled by my five years in Boston. The T was amazing. I could get a bus or a train to basically anywhere I needed to go for about 70 bucks a month for unlimited rides. And that was just hard to beat. Hard to beat the convenience for basically anything. Out here, there are some trains, but the nearest station to me is like a 35-minute walk. Um, and you can't really drive there because there's no parking. It's just on the side of like a major thoroughfare. Um, there's no point. I just I don't use it. And the bus system is like inscrutable. I haven't really looked at it. I just hate it. It's hard to get around. I, I spent some time in California, a few different parts of California. And I spent a few days in San Francisco with Joel. And he told me like, well, and I was going to go to his office because he was working at Singularity University. And I was very excited to go there. I was writing my dissertation about it. So he told me we could either take the bus in the morning or we could make like a two-mile walk to the train station. Uh, and I was like, obviously, we're taking the bus. Well, that was a fucking mistake. And now I, <laughs> you know what I did the next morning? Made a two-mile fucking walk to the train station. Yeah. Uh, fucking California. Yeah. <laughs> fucking trash. So moving into a three, which is a, a beer you're, you're happy to have. It's also an aspect of California I'd be somewhat happy to take with me, but there are, there are better things. That's the weather. It's got to be honest. Uh, I do like snow and a little bit of rain, but having it kind of be 70-ish and dry all year is hard to argue with, even if it gets a little bit samey. Um, there can mm-hmm. be heat waves in the summer, but there's still like a dry heat, so it's not a big deal. So the weather. The weather yeah. is not bad. But it you is are, a little weird are. to not have, like, snow and cold around Christmas. So Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. Moving into force, these are things I actually will miss about California relative to where I'm moving, much like a beer I'd want to drink, is the food. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because Pasadena is really a college town with Caltech, and then nearby is, like, UC Riverside and, and Pomona and, and stuff. So there's just a big student population, so there's a lot of, like, really good Thai, Indian pizza places, burger places. Um, I don't get all the fancy, like, three Michelin stars, $200 plate restaurants. Those are more downtown. But just in general, the, the access to food here has been, Hell has yeah. been great. Um, I didn't like a lot of the food in Boston. Uh, and then moving on to five, which is the best fucking thing about living in California, where I am anyway, and also one of the best beers you can drink, is the internet. Because I am on this fat fucking AT&T gigabit fiber. <laughs> And it's so spoiling. Um, my connection is like right at the end of the block. So my ping to everything is five milliseconds or less. Jeez. And I legit Fuck get you. Yep. <laughs> and I like legit get a gig up and down. So I can have these big like gigabit waves of nightclick radio episodes or videos for YouTube or whatever. And they're just in a second. I can just, I think I backed up my entire like two terabytes of backup stuff. And I thought I'd have to evacuate in the fire in like an hour. Jesus it's, Christ. I'm going to miss that shit. I'm going to miss that shit. I'm still downloading Destiny 2. So I don't even know. Oh, yeah, you're going to be beyond light by the time you download it. Maybe, yeah. My my ping is so far, it's 2021. Like, I don't even know. I, I can't even get mm-hmm. the internet here. I'm on... <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to talk about what internet I'm on because y'all are going to laugh at me, but know that when I called AT&T and I was like, can I get more internet? And they were like, oh no, we don't service your area. And I was like, what area? They were like, Springfield, Missouri. Like, oh, man. Come on. Well, yeah, so it's something everybody should have. Internet, everybody should just have access to this. It's, it's feasible. Everybody should just have access to it. That's right. And on that note, that positive, enthusiastic note, I'm going to get a beer and we'll be right back. 
So, Spencer, what are you drinking? So, um, I had the grand fortune of going on a camping trip last weekend, which many of you just heard that. And if you were driving, I hope you were pulled over to hear that I went on a camping trip. But um, as part of the bit, I got to see uh, Joel Hawkins, who made the drive from Denver, Colorado, to see all of us for two days uh, in just outside Lawrence, Kansas. And uh, once a year, typically I go to Denver and Joel and I do like a beer. We do a bunch of different breweries and do a big beer tour because Denver has great beer. Of course, it's not going to happen this year because fucking COVID. So he just brought me a fuck ton of beer from Denver. And this is one of those that I'll probably consume over multiple shows now. So this is from Loveland Ale Works. And I've had some of their other stuff in the past and I absolutely loved it. This is the Blackberry Lemon Bar Sour. Now, just that just sounds delicious. A Blackberry Lemon Bar Sour. So I'm going to put my face in it. That is a de- that is like a uh, red wall pastry level name for or a really like, fancy soap. Yeah, like if, or a really a really fancy soap. Mm-hmm. But oh my know, god! Sometimes oh you need a soap. God. Are you are you are you munching on this soap? Oh uh, my god! I would I would do stuff with this soap, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that. that that is, by Burke's estimation, the internet. This beer is so good, it is the internet. Uh, all I, will, I will drink it at high speeds. Um, that, is a, that is a hell of a pull quote. I, yeah. I mean, Loveland Ale works. Yeah. This Harris. beer is the this internet. This beer is the internet. I want to download it into my mouth. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, like uh, like blackberries, not totally my thing, like typically a little too much for me. But the lemon bar, it almost has a lemonade-esque sweetness to it on the back end. So you get a lot of the tart up front. You get a high, like a hard hit of sour on the, on the very front. But then the lemon turns it into such a nice but not saccharine sweetness and just rides it out like the end of a fucking cowboy movie. And it is fin- like at one of the most drinkable enjoyable sours I have had in a long time. I'm not sure what ABV it is. And honestly, I don't know that I want to look because it's a Wednesday night and I have to work tomorrow. Um, Sour. So right. Right. Well, on on an upcoming episode, I'm going to drink an Imperial sour, which is the first time I've ever encountered one of those. And it is not a low ABV. Well, this isn't necessarily on the can and I'm not going to keep looking. I've done. So it's a kettle sour ale brewed with lemons, lactose, Tahitian vanilla, and blackberry puree. And I think it's the vanilla that I'm getting is the sweetness mm-hmm. then on the back. And I fucking love it. Love so it. So if that's over 6%, I will eat my hat. 6.6. <laughs> oh, did you, did you Google it? I did. Eat your hat, motherfucker. Get a it's hat. The internet. It. The internet. <laughs> Damn. Do it so Damn it's power. I should have known. It was a five. He went to www.google.blackberrylemonbar and <laughs> found out. Um, uh, I am the least likely person to have a positive thing to say in this segment, but here we are. We're in Dissecting Our Fun where we talk about games, <laughs> typically board games, but then there are other games that are not board games. Anyways... Scott Henderson suggests in there, that's all I'm going to do now, offer no actual explanation of things and then just say, anyways, Scott Henderson suggests in Nerdsplainer, have Ross explain the appeal to Among Us, or of Among Us, to Caleb and Spencer, to which Burke suggested, this was his addendum, fuck Among Us? So, uh, so, 
You know, there's a theme here because Burke's suggestion for uh, for for hot takes was pretty much fuck Borat. So I'm just I'm feeling like salty a, this week. It's the yeah, one brand. Stress. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, uh, Ross, tell us about this game that I've read about and think I would hate. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So Among Us, uh, it's a very popular, uh, video game, uh, that is a sci-fi themed, uh, hidden traitor slash mafia werewolf type game. Uh, one, uh, to three members of the, of the players out of like up to 10 players are imposters. Um, and all the other players are crew members. Uh, the crew members, if they do enough tasks, go around various parts of the map doing various mini games that are very easy to do. Uh, you fill up a bar, fill up the bar the entire way, then the crew members win. Or if the crew members vote off all the imposters. Imposters win if they uh, get down to where it's a one-to-one ratio of imposters and crew members. Um, or if they, uh, imposters can also sabotage the ship. They can close certain doors, uh, forcing the the crew members to do a mini game to open them or sabotage the reactor, uh, which puts a timer. And if you, if the crew members don't go to the reactor and, and fix it, then, uh, the, the imposters win. So, uh, or they can fix the oxygen level. So, um, it's very cartoonish, uh, very simple graphics, very easily, uh, imitatable by fan artists. So, um, it's just, uh, when you find a body, you can report it or not report it. Uh, also, all players can uh, call an emergency meeting, and during emergency meetings, you can vote to skip or vote for a player to be voted off. If there's more positive votes for one player versus skipped votes, uh, if you don't vote, then you're then you know it doesn't matter. So if nobody votes and one person votes, you know, player X out, then they're they're ejected. Um, so uh, I've actually quite enjoy it. Uh, I've been playing it now with friends. I think that's key is to play it with friends. Uh, and not rando strangers, uh, and you have a voice chat, and everyone agrees not to talk during the actual, it, it, to only talk during meetings. So, um, but the the key is to play with friends, and also to not give a shit if you win or lose. It, it's all about basically role playing and just like seeing if you can uh, bluster and come up with bullshit if you're the imposter, or or or, or of a crew member, it can you bullshit your way into like figuring out who is the real killer. Uh, oh yeah. Also, imposters can use vents to teleport around the map. Um, although that, if a player sees that, that's probably only imposters can do that. So um, yeah, I played with Scott. Was actually one of the people we played with. Uh, we played with Scott, uh, Baz, Maddie, uh, Aaron, um, Jason Brown, uh, and some others. Um, and uh, it was it's actually up on the Railery podcast uh, uh, on Twitch. We did one on Baz actually last night. Um, so yeah, it actually is really fun, uh, because the first time I played, I was really stressed out, really anxious and I didn't like it. But then after that, after I got over that, then I was like, I don't care what happens. And then it was like, Oh, okay. I'm just hanging out, having fun with friends. And, uh, I often got murdered first and that's actually a stress relief because you're like, well, if you're a ghost, you can float around and see what happens. You can also do your task and help the crew members win. Um, or if you're voted off as the imposter, you can still sabotage the ship. Uh, so you can still do things even when you're dead which help solves it. But rounds go very quickly. It's like five, 10 minutes usually to resolve a round. Cause like if it's one to six players or, I mean, obviously if it's like four to six players, you have one imposter. If you have a, but if you go above that, then it's, you do, we've done two imposters. We've not, I've never done a uh, match with three imposters. Can, um, I, and uh, you can, translate, can I translate into Spencer for yeah. a second here? Mm-hmm. Okay. They, they took ultimate werewolf, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just duct taped a joystick to that son of a bitch. Yeah. Threw it right on up into space. 
and then Among Us was born. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why this is a dissecting our fun topic, because video games have discovered a two to three decade old board game, and it's <laughs> the new streaming sensation. It is. The yeah. kids can't get enough of it. This newfangled monopoly, you say? Who's... <laughs> Who's heard of such uh-huh. a thing? Um, so, yeah, the, the hottest craze. And I have to stop kids from doing Among Us in every conceivable activity at every age level. Everyone is playing it. They have discovered Werewolf in Space. And mm-hmm. we did it. We did. Board games did it. <laughs> yes. Yes, we did. This is what we wanted, right? We're G-G. mainstream now, baby. We did it. We did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I um I watched the so when I saw people start talking about it on the Discord, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, yeah, 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 I'll check it out. I got eight seconds into that fifteen second trailer, and I was like, nope, nope, I'm good. Um, I, I hated this game when it was called Werewolf, and people wanted to play it instead of actual games, and I hate this <laughs> game now. So, um, look, man, social deduction is not a thing for me. Uh, when I get together with my friends, I don't want to the to add to the already anxiety-producing fear that I have that people are somehow going to think I'm not a genuine human and or real person by uh-huh. making a game of them trying to figure out if I am not a genuine person or real human. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'll pay a therapist for that. I'll do it <laughs> twice a week. It'll be medium successful. So... Um, look, I, if I mean, I watched that on us, Twitch. If, but mm-hmm. like, that's between you and her, I guess. But I mean, yeah. I'm just saying, I think you could Here's, compete. The only way I would play Among Us if I was doing like a year long auto ethnographic study in which I also recorded my in, inner monologue <laughs> while I was dealing with all of the stress of Among Us. Only, and then I, I'd sell the rights to fucking like David Lynch or some shit. Um, that's, I mean, that's that, you could you this. could put it out it's like, hey, we just found a new David Foster Wallace novel. It's a man terrified that he's not real and none yeah. of his emotions are genuine. The uh, best outcome he's caught in a video game that's also real life about being an imposter. Yeah, fucking what's his face can can uh, can direct it and they can put it on Netflix next to I'm thinking of ending things. It'll be equally as coherent. <laughs> Here's the, here, Caleb, for, for our purposes, the best outcome of Among Us is that in like 15 to 20 years, some whiz-bang smart developer uh, is like, hey, I released a new game. Look, here's the trick. It's like a house party, but the main characters are ducks. <laughs> no, man, if they find our game in 20 years, that's like digging up the Atari ETs from the that's not rediscovering something that was once mainstream. That is, oh. that is a collector piece. Like, yeah, oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> yeah, I think in general, yeah, I'm not a big fan of deception games, but uh, I sort of same way as I sat in on on people playing and just listened, and I realized that I don't think because the whole kind of main play part is like sort of the rhetorical argument during the meeting of of Here trying to convince are. other people who is or is not guilty. Mm-hmm. And I kind of don't like that because there's like not really good stakes and people aren't really engaging in, in good faith always and people aren't very good at rhetoric always. So it feels almost like I'm playing poker with people who don't know how to play poker and don't like to play poker and you're just playing with chips but not money. So they're just like, yeah, I got two twos. I'll just, here's 500. I'm all in on <laughs> It's like, it just doesn't feel like you're playing something that interests me anymore. Like it's so removed from stakes. 
that the, the, the bit you're supposed to be doing is not interesting. That's, that's basically my mind. You, you want to be there. You want there to be blood in the game when someone yeah. goes all crazy. Yeah, if you're dying among us, you die in uh, Yeah, I would, <laughs> I'm already playing among us when I go to the grocery, man. Thank you. <laughs> like, <laughs> Thank you. I'm Fucking... already surrounded by a bunch of weird looking people in masks that could kill me. Right. Like, get on a get on a conference call. The whole time I'm just trying to figure out who's about to fuck me. So I don't need I don't need to then be like, hey, space people. Like I'm good, man. I got this. Yeah. I'm fine. Anyways, that game uh, sounds fun. You should buy it. Or watch us play it. I mean by the, that I mean me and right with me. Fo- not, follow not, Ross on Twitter or look yeah. at uh at Twitch. or Baz, uh future Wolfington on uh Twitch, yeah. That's right. All, big shout out for Baz. Go support his Twitch shit there. Um, also, also related happy birthday to Baz, yep. uh, longtime friend of the show, OG Mix6 mm-hmm. community member, Woo! generally great human, just mm-hmm. had a birthday. Yeah, um, we're only a couple days late, maybe. Who knows? Edit this uh, as fast as I can, all right? <laughs> yeah. I wish been a, that was for you, all right? right. That was uh-huh. not for me. All right, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Should have been a hot takes on ice at that point. Um, <laughs> uh, well, on that note, uh, Caleb's going to get a beer, and we'll be right back with your number one vocator, which, by the way, is a mock draft. Caleb, I love that you're just running down this entire line now. So what are you drinking today? Yes, I'm um, drinking the rainbow, if you will, because uh, <laughs> I'm going to Tool Brewing's Mr. Orange, uh, which is from their line that produced Mr. Brown and other colors that weren't as good as that. Um, but Mr. Brown was so good, I just keep we bought up this it. rainbow praying, <laughs> hoping for something that even touches the toes of that beautiful angel. Uh, you gotta try, I guess. So anyway, here's Mr. Orange. And I'm curious when you're done, what, what is the flavor profile of a Mr. Orange? What? Oh, not good. Apparently by that face. Well, we're squinting. We're puckered. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he, he's going back, but I think he's going back in the way that like a detective looks back at the crime scene just to make sure they saw it all. Yeah. Okay. Like, do you ever, do you ever get like a picture of blue moon? And then, like, you're all up at the bathroom, and, like, one person comes back when the new picture came out, and they're like, oh, this needs an orange. So they dump an orange into it. But then they say, like, a friend, and then another person comes out, and they're like, oh, this needs an orange. And then they dump an orange into it. Mm, mm, And then mm -hmm. they forget their purse in the bathroom, and so somebody else comes back. And and eventually you're just drinking, like, the most oranged, warmest pitcher of Blue Moon that has ever Mm. cursed citrus. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that. It is just, like, really weak juicy oranged uh blue moon like it's got the belgian white has been sitting out in this bar a little too long kind of flavor yeah do you know uh do you know what a solution is to not letting people over orange your blue moon pitcher drink it out of cans (laughs) hey i set you up that was the that was i was pipping to your jordan there you self-serve that shit man yeah (laughs) Uh, anyway, well, I walked right into that one. Anyway, in yeah. this segment... Wait, no, what's the rating on the beer? Oh, this is a three. I mean, it's a blue moon. It's never going to go beneath the three. Okay, well... It's I not mean, the best. 
Don't forget to listen to our other episodes where in Blue Moon got like a five, I think. So, <laughs> yeah, well, you uh, you went rogue, all right? Scientifically. I don't think you can defeat that. <laughs> okay. So this was your number one vote-getter this week. Uh, it was the mock draft, which, if look, if it's on the list, it's going to compete. And for this mock draft, Frederick suggests superhero sidekicks write self-help books, which is an ingenious suggestion, Frederick, might I say that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pick four superhero sidekicks to write self-help, book, self-help books. Uh, you know the type, like the chicken soup for the soul variety and one book per sidekick. So the, the self-help book categories are romantic relationship advice, success in the business slash workspace, self-motivation and or personal betterment, and then a wild card round wherein we all get to choose a type of self-help book and then identify the sidekick who would write it. This is a, mm-hmm. this is a great mock draft. I'm very excited for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's possible that I'm excited for it because I do preparatory work, unlike most mock drafts. So I don't know. It's hard to tell. Scientifically, not enough data. Um, uh, Burke, in honor of your uh, forthcoming uh, California exodus, you can go first. Okay. So just going as they are ordered, we're starting with romantic relationship advice. Or pick your poison. If you got a good, if you want to start somewhere else, fucking start somewhere. No, else. that's fine. Play that's, the that's game. Totally play the game, sir. Uh, I don't know how to play the game. This is only my second Demaka draft. <laughs> um, all right. So romantic advice. I'm going uh, Officer Ann Lewis, RoboCop's sidekick, writing nice. a romance book, nice. navigating workplace relationships responsibly. You know, maybe there's a guy at work. Maybe he's your partner. You're kind of into him, but he's married. That's yeah. tricky. But then yeah. he gets torn to pieces by a gang in a hail of right. gunfire. <laughs> and now he's back and divorced. How do you handle yeah. that? And made a metal. Navigate that situation. He's a cyborg. Yeah. Can we yeah. can we all propose titles to everyone's proposed book? My I already name. wrote titles. I already wrote titles. Oh, okay. Yeah. What I, was, I what's your title for that, Burke? Uh, I don't know. So I didn't have a clever title for this. I just went like straight, just navigating workplace relationships responsibly. Oh, I would definitely do loving the man in the machine. That's uh, that would be mm. that would be. I'd buy that. I'd buy that at the mm. checkout line. I'm just mm-hmm. saying. Um, mm-hmm. All right, uh, you're up, Spencer. Mister, I wrote titles. All right. Uh, so um, uh, I went with Rose Tyler, uh, companion to my favorite doctor, and the name of the book is "Make Time for Your Relationship." <laughs> And <laughs> what it is, in fact, is Rose Taylor's, Rose Tyler's step-by-step process for leaving clues for yourself when you're hopping through time and universes to find your way back for your loved one. But also, each of the clues is just like one of those really bad, like, love truisms that you'd find, like, on a faux quilted sign at Cracker Barrel. Uh, <laughs> And so there's a real, like, now what does that mean and some folksy interpretation of an otherwise non-literal thing to find your way from, like, the middle of the 18th century to 2020, uh, wherein you are, you know, trying to find your loved one. So, Rose Tyler, make time for your relationship. Caleb? Uh I went with a different direction. I went with, like, one of those, like, late 90s teen heart throb heart throb kind of uh 
Like when Jonathan Taylor Thomas had his own call-in line where he would just yeah. like JTT talk it to you, like that kind yeah. of level. Um, and when I was thinking of that energy of relationship advice, I went to Megan Manhunter of Young Justice. Nice! And the book would be called Hello, Megan, and then Hello, Megan. But like severely <laughs> in like a... <laughs> in like a therapist way and it would be about like learning to love yourself and discovering feminism as a zoomer martian and um you know what to do if tyler is ghosting you like um yeah yeah and i think i think that would be it yeah with a bonus chapter what to do if your uncle is in the justice league (laughs) yeah it it gets really fucking catty about it yeah yeah totally yeah uh he doesn't want to really hear how it is right right he's hanging out with superman (laughs) um uh caleb it's a snake draft so you get to go next are we just going to move down the line so success in the business slash workplace Okay, I I really and this is RIP to a real one. I'm I'm so sad it's gone. Uh, I'm gonna go with Hank Venture from the Venture Brothers because mm. uh, you know he 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 does start a convenience store in his own house in sort of a desperate bid for entrepreneurism, and I don't that just reads like um, Elon Musk energy to me. I think people want to hear that rags to riches story of inheriting a super science. Hundred uh, percent venture uh, from a grandfather you never met, uh, and at the same time, uh, have daring to say you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps. That's what people yes. want out of a business. <laughs> yes, uh, that's why people would read "Do It the Hank Way," and that mm-hmm. that is uh, that that's the name of the book. Mm-hmm. BT Hankful. Um, <laughs> Uh, okay, I'll go and then Burke will go. So, um, Caleb, actually, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of like the, the ethos of business books. So I've gone with Jimmy Olsen. And the name of the book is Show Up. Uh, because Jimmy Olsen's superpower is just being around when Superman does stuff. And he's around <laughs> when Superman does stuff because Superman is secretly his friend mm-hmm. who is taken to places where stuff is going to happen. But here's the thing about a business book. Jimmy Olsen would see that as some God-given talent that he has cultivated, and now he's trying to teach other people to cultivate it. And there is nothing more sinister about a business book than someone in a laudable position telling you you should be in a more laudable position. Like, well, I was born into a billion dollars, and if I can do it, you can too. And so you got to uh, act like so I have gone Superman to- will always come save you because he right, will. You've exactly got to right. have faith. Walk into yeah. traffic. You can never die. There's there's a whole there's a there's a there's, so the book the book <laughs> book is full of different principles right and one principle is like look up and it's actually him talking about taking a picture by looking up but it's also some metaphor for like be optimistic. There's another chapter called like lean over the rail and it's about taking risks but it's also about him falling over the rail at Niagara Falls and Superman catching him. So it's really a parable based approach to business leadership written by Jimmy Olsen. I, Burke? Uh, not for this, but I had Jimmy Olsen in another category. So now I got oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. I was going to do a like. Guest. He's a guest. How I didn't know. You? There no, were no notes on the dock. It's fine. That's oh. the game. Uh, so for success in business place, I am doing uh, How to Go from Secretary to CEO in Just Two Years by Pepper Potts. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. the title explains itself. It's how to <laughs> move it. up in the workplace by 
That's the whole thing. Yep. Well, maybe cut that one, Ross, and let's move on to the next one. Um, uh, Burke, self-motivation slash personal betterment. Sure. So I went, um, you know, like a, a workout fitness book. I have Casey Jones, Sports Fitness for the Concerned Citizen. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. God, the photos in that one would be great. Which is like, an old 80s-style, like, woo-woo <clears throat> book. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> using sports equipment. Love that. Uh, okay, so for self-motivation slash personal betterment. Uh, look, I think the author choice was okay, but I think the title choice is really where this book flies off the shelves. Uh, the author is Dick Grayson, and the, na- the name of the book is Be Your Own Net. <laughs> <laughs> mm. And that's all I'm going to say about that book. Fuck. Oh, no. Uh, Caleb? Um, <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, did we you really stole mine. I was going to have Dick Grayson as uh, doing like a hyper serious 80s businessman biography. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he's posed like this with his like fist on his chin. And it's like. Right. Out of the shadow of the bat, uh, the Dick Grayson story or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you really stole it from me. I did. Um, oh, wait. And uh, can I make a suggestion? I, I, I'll actually go with Jason Todd. Okay. And right. it's, uh, it's a... It's it's just called crowbar. I don't. Yeah. Just, <laughs> there we go. If we're making... If we're making Robin jokes, Jason Todd's crowbar. Uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, Ross, what were you going to say? Uh, Rick Jones deal, uh, dealing with your inner Hulk in the shadow of the Hulk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Green with envy. Oh, um, there we go. That's better. Yeah. Caleb almost spit his beer out. <laughs> uh, all right, Caleb, it's a mock draft, so you get to do a wild card book. Oh, God. Fuck. I have no idea for this one. You really threw me for a lip on it. Do you want me to give you some suggestions uh, for uh, sidekicks? I defer. I defer my, my place. Yeah. All right. Here I go. I want a better uh, so round pick next year. Um, for my, uh, my wild card book, uh, I would have Luigi write the shitty thing about brothers. And <laughs> uh, it's, it's in the style of Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. <laughs> So he's both talking about the act of plumbing and also about dealing with your brother. He's really into the platonic forms for some reason. Won't fucking shut up about it. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, What does it mean for a cube to float above your head? (laughs) Should one strike it? Uh Uh Is it asking for it? We there's a chapter ask. on there's a chapter on turtle shells. Should you or shouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh Burke, wrap us up here. Oh fuck. Because I was gonna do Jimmy Olsen overcoming shyness through photography, unlocking the creative center. <laughs> do you want me I can I can fill in something for you, Burke? Uh yeah, because otherwise I don't know many superhero sidekicks. I was thinking like, oh, Arthur could write an accounting book. Uh yeah. <laughs> or, Kato could write a driving book. I don't know. I'm out of well, superheroes. Had, my wild card one would be uh, Crypto, uh, you know, Superman's dog does yeah. his own book about his own crypto coin. He gets into the Bitcoin, in the cryptocurrency business. Uh, so mm. it's like Dogecoin, but it's cryptocurrency. So it's just, you know, 
trying to make a quick buck. So it's crypto coin prime. Superman has a dog. Yeah, yeah. crypto. <laughs> oh, yeah, crypto. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Also, Ross, he's trying to make it. Trying to make his own bark for what it hey. is. Can, can I? Can I propose one that is in the same universe as your Jimmy Olsen's show up? Sure. As my wild card, because um, you obviously know what my vote went for in that one. Um, so it's from Lois Lane, and it's called uh, "Too Big to Fall." And it's like a very pro-feminist Chelsea Handler, like live your truth, girl, go to the city, scale unsecured scaffoldings in pursuit of a story, and then suddenly survive due to a literal God who's taken an interest in you. It's just like completely clueless. You just got to want it, ladies, girl boss, uh, disgusting survivorship bias pap. And it's just called Too Big to Fall. Chapter one. Like a diet joke about gaining half a pound that no human being could ever relate to. Chapter one, helicopters. (laughs) Uh, Chapter one, she's got you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, anyways, that was the mock draft, and as the only player who fielded on time a full team, Uh, I believe that I am de facto the winner. (laughs) Uh, but you can, don't forget to, to vote hashtag team Spencer. Yeah, you get it. Okay. Uh, and on that note, uh, we're going to go get some beer. I believe Russ is getting some beer and we'll be right back with ask mixed six. Producer Ross, what are you drinking? Hi, I'm drinking Boulevard's uh, Nutcracker, a winter warmer ale. Um, there's, yeah, it's 7.8%. Uh, it's their well, winter seasonal, and uh, I've historically liked that beer. <laughs> we know what Ross prioritizes when he finds a beer. Here's his beer, alcohol percentage. <laughs> <laughs> That'll have to be enough. I mean, yeah. same, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I can taste the hops. Um, there's a, it's technically the same way he's approached movies for the last... Yeah, it's a movie! Um, <laughs> hey, so, <laughs> I'm right here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is rough? a three... There's a tiny bit of spice to it, like, uh, mm-hmm. um, but, like, it's just... It's overall, the, the hops uh, are pretty strong. It's not overwhelming. <laughs> So um, it reminds me more of like a uh, IPA than anything else. It, it's not. I don't really taste much else behind besides the hops and a tiny and a bit of spice. The, there's not much back into it. Um, yeah, it's not very impressive. It's drinkable, but you know, man. So yeah, that's Three. right. Yeah. Boulevard has a comfortable line of beers that are not impressive, but are but you would order. You know what I mean? Like worst case scenario, yeah. you would like happily order that beer. And then there's a big jump and there's a lot of Boulevard beer that is just exceptionally good. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly their bombers and their like limited release stuff is just way better than it has any business being. Mm-hmm. Um, Caleb, it's Ask Me Six. What are we talking about? Ben asks, your favorite cryptids? Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like it's the sequel to My Favorite Martian. It's a little more global and weirder. Okay, you got to settle a bet for us first. Do you know what a cryptid is? I do, and actually, I had a, gonna I had need a, a definition. <laughs> gonna need a definition for Vegas. Odds they, have been laid. Make the right choice. 
a creature that uh, we may not have a scientific designation for, but mythically or in terms of lore, it has tangibility and realness. Ah, fuck. Well, Caleb gets to pick the movie tonight. <laughs> Here we go. A little sound effect for you. Who the fuck didn't think I knew what a cryptid was? <laughs> I mean, I see Burke, you is. son of a bitch. <laughs> One head always lies. The other always tells the truth. Anyway. I thought you guys um, didn't like social deduction <laughs> games. What's this now? <laughs> Bunch of hypocrites. Well, this is with good players. Anyway. Oh, the time, uh, and the whole time you thought I was an imposter. Huh. Good. Okay. As long as you have fun, it doesn't matter. You fucking try hard. I'll see, I'll see myself. Anyway, anyway, you are the cryptid expert, Spencer. Tell us what your favorite cryptid is. Jersey Devil. Uh, right. It's just like like a fucking weird thing to me um, because it emanates to me from like a part of our collective national consciousness, our collective national psyche that prides itself on like no bullshit, straight talk. Um, everything is plain and brutally honest. And yet in the middle of all of this, there is this like uh, entrenched strong story around a fucking winged biped that kind of looks like a goat and has a tail that beats people to death. Uh, and, and, and not only has this become like a, 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 a mascot for a professional sports team located in the region, but it seems to also like, it also seems to serve as a, a like a rhetorical or a narrative point in time wherein we talk about the history of that part of the country and its relationship to puritanity and uh, theology and cultural norms and mores and uh, the, the expansion and exploration of the, the wilderness in that area. So it's just like, it's all, it's fascinating to me that that shit gets so much traction in that area. It's unlike, not, not like Bigfoot to me, like, okay, fine. It's interesting. But also nothing about Bigfoot tales are also like Bigfoot isn't dropped into the middle of fucking New York City. And and that's kind of what we're talking about here. And it's just to read those two things culturally against one another has always been very like, oh, oh, fucking okay. I mean, I guess y'all can have that if you want it. Um, It's not like fucking Springfield. You go 25 miles to Branson. And people will tell you about the woman in white or like any fucking weird thing that like one time happened because the liberal opened their mouth. And now there's like a goddamn theater production at the bald knobber stadium about it. It's just like, like that's expected here where intelligence is a, a bug, not a feature. And, <laughs> and, you know, science is, is like, uh, is, is kind of like a, a theory and not a mode. And, uh, and we're talking about fucking like, the East Coast, but okay, fine. Uh, so, <laughs> also, I know what fucking cryptids are, you pricks. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, we can never tell him what the bet was for. No. It's gotta, it's gotta go to our graves. We gotta let him guess forever. <laughs> what was the bet for, you <laughs> sons of bitches? Anyway, no. my my no. favorite cryptid. Fuck this question. <laughs> what was the bet for? That's the segment now. Ask Mick Six. I'm asking you what the bet was for. Vote <laughs> Spencer. He's very sus. Do it. Do it, you cowards. It was what about was whether bet? or not you knew what cryptids were. Yeah, obviously there was something else involved. No, that was it. We're just not telling you who it was for or against. 
that's that's all there is. That's all. As a as a rule, and because I'm clearly the most entertaining part of this podcast, I'm going to sit the rest of this segment out. <laughs> oh no, he's striking. Oh. Man, he's drinking a lot of beer too. Get me after it. <laughs> Uh, okay. Anyway, uh, if I'm going with cryptids, I love them all. Of course it's, you know, you're picking your favorite child here, but if I got to pick, I need something that helps me with the realism problem of cryptids because they're not so like Mothman and stuff is cool, but like, that's just like a ghost story at this point. Right. Um, and then there's like slow cryptids, like Bigfoot moves too slow. Like I would have thrown rocks at that thing as a kid. Like, um, he, there's no way he's gone undiscovered this long, walking that slow. Did you throw rocks at slow animals as a kid? <laughs> well, people, animals, who's to say? If you, you know, saw a turtle in the desert with it uh, flipped over, would you, tur- <laughs> would you, would you, would you melt you, it well, with rocks? Yeah, would you melt it with rocks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how it tells you're human. Yeah, it tells yeah. you rocks, Yeah. What else am I going to do? It's a small town, man. Um, no, I did not pelt slow animals with rocks, you assholes. Uh, anyway. <laughs> hey, uh, how's, how's being silent now, Spencer? You, yeah, you know. say something Don't about know. that. Don't, Don't know. <laughs> so anyway, I took that personally. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so... I have to go with Chupacabra because mm. I want something that moves with the energy that I could believe that we've never seen this jittery motherfucker before. And so when I go out there, I'm like, why is there no evidence of this goat sucking thing existing? And I just want people to say like, it was like really fucking fast. Like it was so fast. <laughs> it, 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 like it was like on crack. It was this jittery PCP animal that was like a chihuahua that killed my cattle and also had fangs and claws and shit. That that's the energy I want from a cryptid because, like, again, Bigfoot moves too slow. He's an obvious target. You can get proof of Bigfoot, and the other shit's just believing in ghosts. And then you can just believe in anything. Chupacabra's the cryptid I want to believe in because, like, yeah, of course we got blurry photographs of that bastard. He's all messed out all the time. He's a chupacabra. Um, yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. my theory. Okay. I'm going to go with the Akuro Kamui. Which it is was the... me, all right? I caved in. I bet you did not know what a cryptid is. There it is. <laughs> See? I've been honest. Striking works. Workers of the world. <laughs> yes. The strike worked. <laughs> I am the first to cave to a leftist labor organization. I want everyone to know. I want to hear what first reason is for a cryptid. <laughs> yeah. No, say, get, go ahead. Yeah. I'm unshun. Um, <laughs> two things, two things real, really suck here, Stokes. One is, come on, man. The second thing is, if you thought I didn't know what cryptids were, why did you put a fucking question on the doc about cryptids? I think it's fairly obvious. Come on. Come on. I was also right. So there we go. Anyways, Burke. <laughs> hey, hi, Burke. Uh, I'm going uh, the Akuro Kamui, which is the Japanese equivalent of the Kraken, uh, dating back to the Ainu populations, which were the Japanese, Russian, indigenous populations in like Hokkaido and kind of the adjacent eastern part of Russia. Um, I think I like it because I really like the like universality of myth and folk. 
across people who at a time where they could not have really meaningfully communicated in any fashion developed functionally the same myths and folklores. We can all agree that octopi look fucking weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think Man, those things typically are a squid. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, these are, are octopus, sometimes depicted as half human, half octopus, like a human octopus minotaur type deal. Um, and it still is, is prominent today, so it got incorporated into, like, Shintoism. And while originally it was like, yeah, we'll fuck up your ships, it sort of got repurposed into, like, a minor, like, benevolent healing deity in Shintoism. So it's kind of interesting that it's still around today. Like, it still has a, a, some cultural force today. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's a way more cogent answer than I had, so. Yeah. Well, I wasn't busy I fighting with my co-host. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am. Well, I'm a North American. <laughs> they can't see your facial ex- expressions, Spencer. Probably good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Probably yes, producer good Ross. For you, Sorry, Spencer. get in here. No worries. How was your day at school? Uh, <laughs> yeah, get, come wow. on. All right. <laughs> My favorite uh, cryptid is a co-host that supports me. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. My favorite North American cryptid is obviously Mothman because uh, Mothman fucking rules. He has a statue. Obviously. Uh, Moth them. Moth them. Uh, sorry. Uh, my favorite, but uh, Burke reminded me of my favorite Japanese one, which is uh, Tsu uh, Chinoko, uh, which is basically a really fat snake uh, in Japan. Uh, it can jump a meter they are in the real. Air. They are very real. Uh, they can jump a meter in the air, and they can imitate the, the vo- voice of a child uh, yeah. or mimic your conversations if they hear you. Uh, but mostly he's just uh, fat. Like, he's, a, he's really thick. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, just a really fat snake. <laughs> So you've chosen Spencer's nightmare, just yeah. like a giant snake that jumps. No, 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 no not giant. Face. It's normal length. It's just wide. It's wide. It's mm, wide. It's girthy. It's you it's did got explain jumping a meter in the air though. That was uh-huh. and talking yeah. like a child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's just uh, all snakes I've ever seen. As far as I'm concerned. <laughs> snakes don't jump, not except for uh, Tsuchinoko. Uh, so yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah, you can't put them in a snake pit. They'll jump out. Exactly. That's they true. They will jump right out at That's you. That's why they're cryptids. The they're world, hard, they're you can't capture them. But they they're, can do like a jumping massage on your back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they can do the jumping <laughs> massage on someone's back. Um, <laughs> don't you want to go to Japan now? Go to the forests? Spencer? You know, I think I would travel to Japan, but that's for another segment and, and a, a bunch more beers. And on that note, I would call that topic uh, not a success. And if you listen to that, just remember you were here at the beginning of the end. And on that note, I'm going to grab a beer and we'll be right back for We oh Make a Pair, which is how I used to describe me and Caleb, and I will not anymore. Spencer, friend, you don't get comrade, to. What are you drinking? Because I care yeah. about you. Thanks for the question, Burke. Uh, I am drinking. <laughs> uh, this is a, this is a mashup from uh, Boulevard Brewing Company and Rheingeist, which is out of Cincinnati. And we've had some Rheingeist beers on the podcast before, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they got a cool little so, skull emoticon yeah, as a yeah. That's right. Yeah, cool little cool little skull guy right there. Yeah. Um, so this is, as I mentioned earlier, an imperial sour. 
It is the Crust Fall, which is a peach berry pie sour, an imperial Berliner-style Weiss with peach, blackberry, blueberry, and other natural flavors. And spoiler, I had this beer uh, last weekend or maybe the weekend before. I don't fucking remember anymore. Time has no meaning. Uh, but I will drink it again just to confirm what I believe it is for science. Oh boy! Yeah, it's a seven. It's a seven and a half percent tall sour, which feels impossible. So, I feel the way that I felt about it a few weeks ago. I actually think they do the peach very well, and peach is a very difficult fruit to get right in beer. Um, it's either too subtle or it's too mm-hmm. artificial, and this tastes like good peach. Where I think this beer goes around the bend a little bit too much is there's too much berry. So there's almost too much of that like uh, over heavy sweetness Mm -hmm. that takes the nice subtle sweetness of the peach and it extends it a little too far around the arc. So for me, this beer is a four, which if I remember correctly, was the food. Ironic because peaches and and berries are food as I understand them. Um, (laughs) And and it would be a five, but for I believe it's actually too much berry. Um, when I see peach sour, I think peach sour. And this is actually, and I mean this truthfully, this is a berry pie sour. It has all of the trimmings of eating like a berry pie. And there's like some, some peach tartness. Like the yeah. buttery crustiness, kind of like a... Like some sweetness on the back end, like mm-hmm. a little bit of the of the tech. Like, it's just, it's very interesting what they've done here. And I think in terms of recreating a flavor, it's quite remarkable. It's just not... I would like more of a peach sour than I want a berry pie, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, we're into We Make a Pair, and Greg Bennett has suggested, as we remember the before times, what beers would you drink with your trick or treat haul? And so we're going to pair beers with one, two, three, four, five, six different things that you might find in your candy bag and or bucket. Candidly, I did not know that people gave out some of these things and or what some of these things were, so I had to Google them. Uh, also sad because there will not be Halloween this year. Not that I've ever given a fuck about trick-or-treating, and I haven't turned my light on since I had a light to turn on. But there's an Emo's Pizza around the corner, and every Halloween for the last three years, I've walked down there and gotten absolutely canned on Cucumber Crush on tap and then watched people walk around for Halloween. So a pastime that almost deeply. So we're going to pair full-size candy bars, fun-size candy bars, popcorn balls, candy apples, pennies, and chick tracks with beer uh burke you're the guest pair something with a full-size candy bar yeah so i thought this was kind of interesting because a full-size candy bar could be anything because you don't really know what the candy bar is so you can't really do a flavor pairing so just i just no went for size. a full-sized beer so i'm just doing dogfish head raised on extra just something big in belgian mm. stouty mm. Mm. wash it whatever the candy bar tastes like it'll taste it'll wash that out it'll just yeah obliterate it yeah yeah, yeah yeah no that that's a i think that's a good idea um okay like that uh caleb yeah this is really a differentiation by type rather than a differentiation of like quality which would be in a flavor profile so my beer is about rewarding behaviors and discouraging behaviors right row full-size candy bar larouche chilled i put Mm. it in a specially dry iced Mm. container i told the kid that i hired to go through the neighborhood. And if any of you ballers is enough of a fucking Santa Claus mistakenly come to Halloween to give out full-size candy bars like you're the fucking king of the North Pole, yeah, 
you get LaRouche. Just a random yep. goblin child comes up to you, gives you chilled LaRouche in a glass mm. like a little mm. butler. Because you deserve it. You, you're just yeah. you're just saintly. You deserve that beer. Good job. So, Halloween is transaction. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I, I I also didn't know what candy bar we were talking about here, but I just assumed it would be overly sweet. So I would want something equal, equally rich, but something which would cut the sweetness. And so, look, if I've decided to lean into a full-size candy bar, uh, like I'm not worried about my health. You know what I mean? At least not for tonight. Uh, and so I've chosen a Bourbon County Stout because the great thing about a Bourbon County Stout is that despite its heft and size, I don't actually find it to be overly sweet. I find it to actually have some bitterness to it and cut some of that sweetness. So I think like a big ass motherfucking Kit Kat and a Bourbon County Stout would be about perfect. Uh, now we're going to pair fun size candy bars. So the little guys. And the fun thing about a fun size candy bar is in the course of a beer, depending on how quickly you drink it, you could have 17 fun size candy bars. So, uh, Burke, what do you pair with fun size? You could fun size, much like I picked a full size beer from a full size mm-hmm. candy bar, mm-hmm. fun size drink. So I'm going plastic fireball minis. Smart. Smart. One candy bar, one yeah. mini. Just pair them up for as long as you feel like doing it. <laughs> Such a good idea. Mm-hmm. Such a good idea. The last time I the last time I did Halloween, I walked around Roundtree because there's a parade with fireball minis stuffed in all my pockets and a flask. Mm. I thought I might get some shit because it's not a beer, but you know, yeah, um, we we blew the doors off topicality, um, uh, <laughs> it, both both in mock drafts and hot takes <laughs> two and a half years ago. Been so a, been a long um, time since I've oh, seen topicality. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So uh, Caleb, uh, pair of beer with a fun size candy bar. Uh, well, for me, again, it's about rewarding behaviors. So I get fun-sized candy bars. I want to give the joy of getting fun-sized candy bars back to the person who gave it. So my beer gremlin who rewards people for good candy behaviors is um, the point of a fun-sized candy bar is not to eat it by itself. It is to right. mix it with other candy bars yes. in sort of a decadent dual-taste situation. Correct. That a mere child could not hope to recreate nope. out of the gas station decadence that they could afford. So the right. goal is to be like, what does a Snickers taste like with mm-hmm. a Three Musketeers? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me live that sort of Caligula-esque, you know, no rules. Um, so for that, I'm just a black and tan. It's two vaguely chocolatey mm. things made mm. better by being tasted simultaneously. Um, so a nice 124-second chilled Guinness and black and tan from a tap that I brought along to supply my beer goblin for anyone who gives out uh, fun-sized candy bars. Yeah, the black and tan is actually, a smart, I think, maybe a smart pick generally for overly sweet things. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's something I wish I would have thought of. Uh, instead... Uh, so when I eat fun size, when I eat a fun size candy bar, I actually eat fun size candy bars. And so no one's ever been like, here's the tiny three musketeers without me being like, where are the seven other tiny three musketeers though? And so I, what I want to do is I want to create a real, um, harmonic convergence here. And so I want to drink a beer that is heavy on the coffee. So mother's winter grind. So I can feel like I'm just starting my day or I'm doing something a little more alert, refined with six little baby Reese's peanut butter cups. 
And I feel like while Mother's Wintergreen is a little bit sweet, probably a little bit sweet for this endeavor, you can drink enough of it and it will accelerate your sugar high such that you'll end up in a better place for it. Uh, Burke, what do you pair with a popcorn ball? P.S. Popcorn balls are terrible. I don't think I've had one. Okay. Uh, but I was just thinking popcorn, that like roasted butteriness, toasted ton of sense. So I went with Far- Founders Marvel Roast, which has like a really nice kind of like toasted buttery vanilla mm-hmm. blonde ale kind of going on. Yeah. So Pretty kind of lean into the flavor is what you were thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of like lean into, well, because I'm pairing them up. Yeah, it's maybe less a, a, a compliment pair rather than like something that, that kind of mimics that candy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Caleb, what do you uh, what do you do with popcorn ball? The Lippa from uh, yeah, oh. Chestnut Brewing. Here's why: it's an IPA, but you made popcorn balls. You're probably into that shit. Here's the <laughs> thing, though: no top on the can. You're gonna open it. That can's gonna keep opening. And it's just going to become a cup of beer, which is yeah. something no one ever on earth asked for. The can design was just fine. Yeah. Just like popcorn was just fine before you did whatever abomination you call yeah. this ossified rock of yeah. former sugar that you yeah. call the fucking candy. So, yeah, yeah, good. Sit there, drink your bitter brew out of a cup that bugs are probably going to get in because cans are just better and you're mm-hmm. out on the porch giving people candy. So yep. yeah, that is your fucking contrapasso Dante's hell. You get a stilippa on like an unusually warm Halloween night with like mm-hmm. many insects. Yeah, in that's general. right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. The, the ire with which you've approached the popcorn ball is appropriate. Uh, for that reason, I have chosen Stone Brewing's Zocoveza, which is their imperial Mexican chocolate stout. And I've chosen that because Stone Zocoveza has flavor. And if I'm eating a popcorn ball, I am actively looking for something with flavor. So next is candy apples. Uh, Burke, what do you do with the candy apple? Candy apples. I went with the Flag Hill Farm Vermont Sparkling Organic Hard Cider which uh, is probably the highest ABV cider I've ever had at nine and a half percent. So I figured like if I have to eat candy apples, I might as well get fucked up on apple cider. I'm worried about your flavor on flavor combinations here that you That's may fine. be doubling up too much. No, well, I'm sort of uh, saying I won't eat much of the candy. I'm not really a candy person. Uh, okay. 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 Uh, Caleb, what do you do with a candy apple? Well, candy apple has too many fucking variables. I'll tell you that much. Did they have picked the apples at the right time? Did they actually wash the motherfuckers free of pesticide? Did they fuck up the candying at some point? Did something fucked up happen to the animals between the candying and the other times with everybody in the house? Too many fucking variables. Don't eat that shit. So you want something where there's too many fucking variables and the only winning move is to not play it's got to be tequila. Oh, you have damn. no fucking idea what oh, AB that's not where it I thought is. That was going. You have no <laughs> yeah. fucking idea whatever AB will one fuck you up. Fifty. How are you going to find out? Look, the only way to know is to play, and then you've already lost. Like that, the the bet was over when you considered drinking tequila. Just like your life is probably over with via razor blades or carcinogens or like whatever little shit head licked the apples as a prank in front of his friends. Yeah. Um, 
too many variables. You you asked for it. You bought the ticket. You take the ride. Tequila. That's yeah. right. That's right. You didn't know what you were getting into, but now you do, kids listening <laughs> to this podcast. Um, so for me, like candy apples are not – I don't enjoy them uh, outside of the, the relative mess that is a candy apple. Uh, oh, here's a stick for it. Fuck you. That's not going to help, okay? It's, it's, it's accoutrement. It's decoration. Uh-huh. Um, but anyways, they're too sweet for me. I do like a good green apple if we're going to rock a Granny Smith. I'm going to be honest about that. I love a Granny Smith. You throw caramel on top of that thing, and here's a pro tip. Caramel is almost never good on anything. So just something to keep in mind as you make your, your confectionaries moving forward. Caramel is not worth it. Um, but if you're going to have something that excessively sweet, you need something to cut that sweetness. And so I've chosen Crooked Staves Petite Sour Rosé which has the funk of the rosé, has a little bit of weirdness to it because of the wild ale sour, but it's going to be a sharp contrast to the sweetness. And again, general disgusting mess that is the candy apple. Okay, the next one, the next suggestion that we pair beers with is pennies. Mm -hmm. Now I have a question. Yeah. Does this mean pennies? Yeah, okay. like actual pennies. Like have mine. any of you ever gotten pennies in your Halloween bag? Oh fuck yeah! No, never. I never heard of such a thing. Like <laughs> coins, like the cheapest coins. That yeah, dude. The least there is valuable a certain type of old person. Let me explain the penny person. Okay, there's a certain brand of old person who is dying of dementia in their home in a rural neighborhood, right? that still does Halloween shit because everybody's having kids. And that person has the Jesus in them, and they think they got to be there for the kids at any given moment. But they also can't remember if the stove is on, even if it's 3 a.m., and they have no idea what's going on in a given moment. So they feel the social pressure to participate in the community Halloween, while at the same time not knowing where the fuck they are. And what they have when they realize it's fucking Halloween is a bowl of dusty pennies. <laughs> and that is what goes in your fucking bag. And this crazy old woman in a nightgown just goes out and be like, I love to see you in the costumes. And then they I, just rain money I, on you as if Charon was making change. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, if you're a listener, please let us know if this happened to you. I feel like this is the Caleb's unique. This, that is this a dramatic. Pretty, that is a no, it's oh not. A thing. It happened to you. I acknowledge that. I think it's just a unique thing that happened to you. I don't think it, it's happened to anyone outside of your neighborhood. There were always penny people in, in D-Town, baby. Well, They're everywhere. Okay. <laughs> then as the expert on penny people, what do you drink with pennies? Oh, okay. So um, there were also people who saw the old people doing that and were like, I can do it too. And those motherfuckers wanted their house to get fucked up. So here's the thing. If you're not an old person who doesn't know where they're at, but you're like Mm -hmm. a grown-ass person in the late 90s who think it's okay to give pennies to kids, I'm sorry. We threw that shit at your house, and we hucked it. Now, when you're you're vandalizing on Halloween, there's two schools Mm -hmm. of thought. Mm -hmm. You want to throw something to see the thing you threw break. That's your eggs, for instance, right? first, First school of thought. Or you want to throw something that breaks the thing you're throwing it at. Second school. Definitely the penny school. So I was thinking, 
What's a beer that goes along with that mindset? Right, right, right. Throw on the penny. You want the penny to go through something. Yeah. Same thing with Mickey's. You know, if you throw a bottle oh, of Mickey's in a fight, that shit is break not something. exploding. It is going to stay completely intact yeah. and boing like a drum mm-hmm. as it bounces off the head of whatever unfortunate person is drinking next to you while you have decided to consume Mickey's. Mm-hmm. So what do I give somebody if I want my house to be vandalized? Well, it's either pennies or Mickey's. Or uh, Mickey's. That's, that's right. That, that's what you get. Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, Burke, this seems to be an anomaly to you, but what would you drink if someone was giving you pennies? Well, continuing the trend of suggesting a beer that's merely a replacement for the candy. Uh, pennies are, taste like copper, and you shouldn't consume them, much like Miller High Life. Hey! I went with Miller Light. There uh, you go. Yeah. Now, I will admit, mine was more of like a socioeconomic referendum on the people that might drink Miller Lite and or give out pennies <laughs> for Halloween. Uh, but but your, your uh, palate-based assessment, I think, is also good. So, so the Miller yeah. family of beers. I mean, full disclosure, <laughs> I drank a lot of Miller High Life in grad school because there was a bar that did 80-cent High Lifes on like a Wednesday. Yeah, Damn. That was my <laughs> thinking. Not, if you, it's not good for social cohesion at all, bro. No, Don't it's do very that. good. If you've only got pennies to use, of course you would drink a milk. Eighty of them get you a get a get you a hot. Yeah, why don't you just upturn a beer truck outside an elementary school? Jesus, it's just right. that socially irresponsible. Ten cent beer night to at, have at Miller the baseball that park. Cheap. Yeah, what, what, it was very irresponsible. It's amazing I got anything done those five years. <laughs> uh, all right, last up, and I did not know what these were. This I had me to neither. Google. Chick tracks. Oh my god. You guys didn't know what these were? No. no sorry, we Okay, okay. See Ross, I didn't make up the penny shit either. Uh, Man, mm. just because shit mm. happened to Caleb <laughs> and nobody else uh-huh. is not a reason Caleb's making shit up. That's right? what I'm saying. The listeners need to like verify your claims. But yeah, chick tracks, right. I'll back you up. Those are real. And how dare you you Philistines not understand this corner <laughs> so pin underpinning just, of civilization? If I just Google chick tracks. It's like some gospel shit, right? Yeah. They're comic books to okay. teach versions of the gospel. A chick track is where you get Darkest Dungeon from. Like, yeah. oh, Blackleaf, no. Like, D&D is Satan. They're, they're that- tiny little comic books designed to make your right-wing Christians. Because um, they thought kids couldn't read the Bible. My they grandpa going to make me nail them to so the they drew pictures for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, they they do think Catholics are bad. If you went to a place that celebrated Jesus Ween instead of Halloween, what you got instead of the sinful candy mm-hmm. or a copy of Martin Luther's 99 Theses was a fucking chick track, a, a little mm-hmm. uh, fucking pedantic uh, evangelical psycho fest uh, that was many people's intro into the alternative comic scene. I'll let you know. That. Yeah, yeah. I legit thought it was like a fucked up name for a chicklet, and I was yeah, like, I okay, thought, no, yeah. Jack or... Chick. Focus on the family shithead. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I figured that out once I googled it. Uh, and after googling it, I'll go first. It made me think if someone gave me this, I'd want to be the drunkest I've ever been. <laughs> so. Uh, so I chose 5050 Brewing's 2019 Eclipse Manhattan Rye, uh, which is a beer that act- is actually a loaf of bread stuffed with alcohol. Uh, <laughs> and so I feel like that would help me forget that I just got a little 5 by 7 right-wing Christian comic. 
on 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 Halloween. Uh, Caleb. All right, you're gonna want to go Smirnoff because that is the <laughs> cheapest vodka you can get. That is still going to be in a glass bottle. You don't want to go pop off or something that bounces off. So you got to go at least the Smirnoff because that shit shatters, unlike a glass of Mickey's. And then you do the only thing that's appropriate to do if someone gives you a chick check for Halloween, which is stuff that motherfucker in the top of some some sort of flammable alcohol, light it on fire, and throw that shit back at the house. Let them know what you think of that motherfucker. Like, yeah, Yeah. I'll give you the Kenzween. Motherfucker down here is giving me full size candy bars, and you're telling me about D and D's doing devil. Ah, no, a blaze. Perfect. At least find some pennies, rules, baby. Get after them. Yeah. Uh, Burke, if someone gives you a five by seven Jesus comic on how they're not five by seven, they're like two by seven. They're very horizontal. They're lame. So here's the truth: is I I googled it and I found out what it was, and I thought that I was just mistaken. (laughs) <laughs> but I went with the gospel bit anyway, and I just said 21st Amendment's brewing monk's blood just because it sounded satanic. Uh, maybe you murder a bunch of monks in the name of the rose style because they laughed, and that's your beer. I don't fucking know. I just wanted something high ABV. So <laughs> the real Midwest so experience. So you read what Chick Jacks were, and you're like, that's got to yeah. be fake. Yeah. Well, I, I figured, like, that's not what you were talking about, but I didn't feel like refining my search at all. Oh, no, that's what Greg was talking about. These are these are Greg's. They're all Greg's. Yeah, they're yeah. all Greg's. So. so the real Midwest Sorry, experience, you're not real a real Midwestern until you found a chick track. Oh, I'm not chick a real Midwestern, Ross. It's my best feature. Well, like, <laughs> when you find a chick track in a random public place, like, these motherfuckers will stuff them inside library books, leave them at bus stations, they'll put them in bathrooms, you'll be like, what the fuck is this? And, like, what the fuck? And, uh, yeah. That, that, yeah, that it's w- like, it's, there are places in the Midwest where they're porno cards for the Ozarks. People out on the fucking corner flicking them in. Like, no, like, the right wing, the, the, the evangelicals will just pay for them, and they'll get, like, a, a, a carton of them, and then they'll, like, everyone spread them out, spread the good word, and, like, yeah, it's a whole thing. There's a black exploitation one, by the way. Uh, they don't print that one anymore, but it's online. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're woke now. Anyway. Yeah, I'm sure they're not, no, I'm sure no, they're they, not reading it either. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, so burn down that house that gives you a chick track. That's my favorite. Anyways, if you also had a fucked up Halloween, welcome to the Mix 6. <laughs> and on that note, uh, Caleb's going to get another beer, and we'll be right back. Caleb, you've described this as being a first for the podcast. So what is it that is a first for the podcast? Okay, this is from Rockwell Beer Company, the standby hoppy pilsner. Now, a pilsner or hops, not a first for the podcast. Right. Uh, But unless I have my dates wrong, I think we have the first faux Stillwater. Look at this can. What now? Oh, no. It's just a test pattern (laughs) that says standby. Cool. They biting on Stillwater's motherfucking style. Rock- Rockwell has just sent a fucking shot across the bow. They coming. Um, so, so I'm just someone, saying. I'm just saying. Know, I see beef. I see beef coming up You have to tweet them here. with the Rockwell rule. See how it goes. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. yeah, I can't. I can't wait to offend them on Twitter mortally in a year and, and have them <laughs> lean into it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Look, guys, there's so many other breweries. Just pick any other brewery. Um, hopefully it's a good beer. Uh, Caleb's not reacting like the first time he drank a Stillwell, so that's good. It's not like he didn't make a face. Stillwater. Stillwater. It's not, like it, it's not like it punched him in, fa- in the face, so it's not a one. I'm going to say that. I've reconsidered. I've reconsidered that. Go okay. on. Uh, initially, it was a three. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because it's a pilsner. What right. What the yeah. fuck so do you it, want me to say? It's enough. <laughs> it, is a, it is a pilsner. Like if it got out of three, I would eat. I would eat my hat, and I've already eaten it once. Uh, so the other thing that was like, there's a little the hop at the end. I think it's something citrusy because it's got a little tang, like turn up on the end. So it's like pilsner. It's like pilsner numbness until the very end in the back of the throat, and then retronasal. It's like what? And it's just a little tangy twist at the end of it. And honestly, if you're expecting more than that from a pilsner, I think you've probably come into this deal uninformed. So it's got a three at the end with a little like uh, I don't know grace note, and that's fine. Like this makes it a pilsner I will remember as opposed to most other pilsners so it's a four hey wow that that is a mark of distinction frankly wow we finally got there okay yeah hey hey my podcast do whatever i want he can do whatever he wants uh take take a long time to describe beers down his (laughs) co-host undermine the veracity of other people's damn do whatever he wants Let the man, he's a peacock. You got to let him fly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, Nelly Furtado. Yeah. Yep. Uh, okay, we're into Inervium, which was your number two vote. Get here. For those of you who don't know, God, imagine this being the first time someone listened to our podcast. Like, it would also be the last time they listened to our podcast. Yeah, we haven't so had to think about that. Hard disagree. <laughs> hard disagree. Right. If you need a new podcast, check out Nightclick Radio, nightclickradio.com. Come on. This isn't a fucking roundabout. Come on. Um, anyways, in Inervium, we do fake marketing stuff. And Broa, uh, which, by the way, shout out, shout out to Noah, who we've not heard from for a hot minute. Uh, and glad, glad that he was available to give us a suggestion. Shout out to Broa. Broa suggests really sell me on that advanced shark brain juice from Deep Blue Sea. Which is just the deepest of pop culture cuts. Are you, are you familiar with the rich lore of the Deep Blue Sea trilogy? Trilogy? Yeah, there's three of them. <laughs> he said in answer. <laughs> Deeper and deepest? Well, I have assume? you seen the original? <laughs> have you at least seen the original? I have. Actually, actually okay. bluer and bluest. Oh, yeah, believe it or not. Yeah. yeah. Deep blue, D and E. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, no, I, I, I can't get into that headspace. So the, but, the general premise of Deep Blue Sea right, is right, right. that they are doing this genetic engineering on sharks to cure, like, Alzheimer's and dementia. Right. But then it goes completely off the rails in the second <laughs> one, where you find out somebody else bought the company to develop brain juice to make us smarter than computers because the AI is coming for us. And then that continues from two to three. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, a, it's an Elon Musk uh, like blue sky. Yeah, it's like you have to project. fight the singularity with shark brains <laughs> type deal. All right, I'm into it. Sell me on it. Well, oh, I don't it. think we can. I think that's already sold. That's the thing we. 
Well, I mean, I'm going to go with the subplot of two, which we also can't do military applications because that was also the subplot of two is making hyper intelligent death sharks, <laughs> which is a shame because I feel like those would fly off the shelves. That would be a barn burner of a product. Uh, it wasn't wasn't that Doctor Evil's whole bit in Austin Powers One? <laughs> yep, yep. Sharks with lasers on their heads. <laughs> yep, you okay. can literally well, do it. Uh huh. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Uh, so here's the thing that the guy was leaving on the table in two, when he was just talking about, we have to beat the fucking AIs and shit. Uh, he's aiming too high. All right. What you could sell the (laughs) shit out of if it was shark brain juice, what made you smart was, uh, like Alex Jones style male enhancement supplements that there would not be a shark left on this planet and you could like dilute that shit to beyond homeopathy levels and just put it in a bunch of whey protein powder full of lead and people would fly that shit off the shelves in the u.s to get them deepest bluish shark brain like yeah yeah it would be gone like it would make jaws look like the best day ever in the history of shark conservation um yeah that's the Inervium pitch be the shark um, that could be a subtitle of it. Uh, yeah, Apex Predator, like that kind of shit. Yeah, be the Shark Tank. We can have and, pictures of like Alex Jones as Alex Jones, and then be like after Apex Predator, and then he sucks in his gut a little bit, and they put a hot lamp on him. Oh, and then oh you yeah, fifty nine ninety nine a month for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's got an associated diet and uh, and workout <laughs> regimen. I'm eating shark, nothing but raw meat. Yeah, it's a little like paleo, but it's a Nexium style. I can't cult. chew. I just have to thrash. Just yeah, yeah. I kind of like the I kind of like the idea that it's about your teeth strength. Uh, like of all of all the things that could like body, you know. Like obviously, I think you could probably sell it to like most white males in Alabama as like a libido thing. Um, <laughs> But but I like the idea that maybe it's for your teeth care. You know what I mean? Oh, like, okay. So like yeah, yeah, yeah. like whitener, whitener, or like even like make your teeth stronger. You know what I mean? And and really like lean against like uh, um, snowflakes. Don't want you eating steak because it's hard to chew. And then uh, <laughs> bam, uh, shark brain juice for stronger teeth for eating mm-hmm. meat. People snowflake meat. <laughs> and then, uh, and then you kind of build the whole thing as a package. Uh, it's the great snowflake killer. I think, uh, honestly, you set up a booth at a Trump rally, and you're gonna have to fucking make more product. I kind of, I kind of love the idea of it's just a teeth whitener that has the ability to bootstrap intelligence to superhuman levels, <laughs> and then we don't advertise that. We only advertise <laughs> it as a teeth whitener. I mean, if we can just get like, <laughs> it's just like a bunch of people getting ready for school pictures and being like, "I've redesigned the electoral college." <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, we can save this democracy, and they start like furiously writing notes on the mirror, like. Right, John Travolta phenomenon. That's that's the future I want to live in. Yeah, go. I got the, I got this to piss off the libs. <laughs> and now I would like to talk to you about Malcolm Gladwell's latest book. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so if you're going off the idea of like selling people enhancement pills, and you can access sort of other aspects of of shark physiology, I would do some type of like methamphetamine 
nootropic type thing that you just literally have to keep working or you die, much like a shark must keep moving <laughs> or you die. Oh, yeah. If you sign up to work at Dark. an Amazon warehouse, you just get a, uh, a subscription <laughs> for that for free. Actually, they just, they, that, that's, you, the, that's, the, that's the screening point for being a developer on Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, that's too topical. I'm sorry. Oh. sorry. Ross, sorry. cut that out. Yeah, Strike yeah. that from the record. Yeah. Some Scandinavian um, guy. Drink more shark so, water. No, no, here's the thing. Drink the thing more is, shark water. Work. This shark juice is going to be really expensive to develop, so the key is to dilute it enough so that you can sell it as an over-the-counter thing, and then you just sell it as, like, five-hour energy drink-sized little things at gas stations and grocery stores. And it's like, oh, do you have a test coming up? Do you have something – are you uh, uh, trying to transfer your phone line to a different company? Here, take a shot of this. You'll be smart (laughs) enough to solve your common cognitive problems that you can't normally deal with. It's just something to, like, uh, uh, deal with things that are a headache and stressful – uh, in real life, but it's diluted, so it's just like, like, oh, I can think, I can see clearly now. Uh, but like, it only lasts for like an hour, so like, that's the thing. And then, like, with one shard, you get like a million little bottles of that out of it. So, like, you're yeah, describing the the plot of Limitless, and <laughs> oh, we God. could we could cast Bradley Cooper, and it could just be called Finless. And <laughs> it's about how you're doing shark things, but without being a shark, and. <laughs> He would go on to win an Oscar, maybe, for doing something else with Lady Gaga, unrelated to Finless. <laughs> Quite a trajectory. A shark um, is born. Shark <laughs> is born. <laughs> I, I just want to talk about the nightmare scenario um, that is any of her plans succeeding, because mm-hmm. that that presupposes the idea that we've perfected shark farming on a industrial <laughs> scale. Oh yeah, sharks were basically microbacteria that had grown too large and gotten teeth. Their brain functions were utterly simplistic. We couldn't even be sure if they knew how to feel pain. So anyway, we taught them how to be the smartest creature in the universe. And now they live for four months until we carve their brains out while they're alive. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, we taught them how to feel pain so they could know how awful their existence is. Yeah. Shark farming, like it would just be the absolute sharking nightmare possible. Like, yeah. It'd be like if just, Tyson Chicken could talk to you. That would be a nightmare. Just just bill it as like a uh have you ever thought dolphins were too weak and then <laughs> sharks. And like uh and somewhere some dude driving a fucking uh one of those new like Hummer EV trucks is gonna he's gonna hear that and he goes, God, dolphins are weak. And now he buys shark sharkarone. Oh. I don't know. We we got we gotta work on the name. I'll be honest. I've decided I'm gonna name my shark amphetamine shark tweak. <laughs> oh <laughs> that shit. is really good. A little on that the nose. Really don't there you it is. Oh, Why like a chupacabra? Looks like he's on Shark Tweak. Uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah, you kind of you kind of hit the hit the nail on the hammerhead with that one, Burke. Uh, no. Don't no uh, no <laughs> no. None of you get to. Next segment. Get a beer, Peyton. <laughs> Hey, producer Ross, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm still on my Oscar Blues Brewery kick, uh, trying to explore all their beers. Uh, this is because I like the their old Chub last time. Uh, so Mama's 
Little Yella Pills. Yeah, uh, it is a Bohemian Pilsner, 4.7%. Uh, it's canned, so here we go. Ross, send me that Zoom background you're using because I am in love with it. Sure. You like the VHS aesthetic? Yeah. yeah. It's Big fucking time. Nice. It, is, it, is, it is making me feel things. Oh. Boy, that's a uh, Pilsner, isn't it? Um, <laughs> most are. Yeah. They, uh... you, who can know? It's the fucking silence, man. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. You just know that you drank something, maybe. Yeah, I, I definitely drank something. It's there's a blessing a bit, and a curse, isn't it? There's a, there's a bit of bitterness to it. There's a bit of hops <clears throat> to it. But, like, boy, I really, if they put other things in this, that would surprise me. Because uh, I sure... You mean, sure... like, beer? Yeah, well, they put beer in it. I can't. I can't taste any other flavor though. Like there's, there's, it's beer. It is beer flavored beer. So it's a two because it's. Meh. Why would you pay for this if you can get better tasting beers? Uh, why would you? Yeah. So. I. I feel like pilsners exist because of some like wishmaster level wish. Like, I want to make a beer that everyone will drink, and then like the genie laughs maniacally and like, yes, it shall be yours, Johnny Pilsner. And it's just the, the hop leaf vac- curls. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> the, yeah, leaf. the most yeah, vacant. Yeah. yeah, it's not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, um, what are we talking about? Drunk enough. Sam Grabner has asked the McSix, but it's a drunk enough because I have to have a few before I can talk about the craft of anything without falling up my own ass. But anyway, Sam Grabner asked, and I moved it to this segment as a person who studied writing and used to write prolifically, who is also a person with a significant anxiety disorder related to the craft of writing, getting inspiration and motivation to write is sometimes very difficult. While the obvious first answer for how do I get past this is therapy, doing it, it's great. I'm very curious about y'all's processes for just getting some dang writing done. Any routines, any superstitions that have to be fulfilled, methods of inspiration. I am probably the uh, uh, least likely of the four of us to be classified as writer in the traditional sense, but it might surprise everyone how much I write for. I, I bet you write more than all of us combined in a day with all that for, shit. Uh, like, yeah. Well, and not even just emails, but like um, briefs or the amount of pre-work I do, certainly in our, in the consulting space, the amount of sense-making emails and or projects that I've put together for people. PowerPoint decks alone would. Yeah. I, I, I make like mind. Yeah. yeah, I make like a keynote or two a week. Um, mm-hmm. And so two, two things strike me here. Uh, one is really helpful and Sam, hopefully it will be helpful to you. And the other is not as helpful maybe, but I will tell you that it matters to me. Um, so let me tell you the least helpful one first so that when you remember what I said, hopefully it's the more helpful one because of recency bias. The one that is likely less helpful for you, but more helpful for me is to, at some point in my life, I just got over the belief that at some point, a moment of inspiration would strike like lightning and I would be ready to get going. Um, the, the reality is th- that at least for me, that happens, but it happens once every seven months and it lasts for 20 minutes. <laughs> and then I'm tired and I'm frustrated and I'm instantly wanting to edit whatever 200 to 300 words I've typed out kind of frustratedly. And Caleb said something years ago on this podcast that really resonates with me. And he said it to me a number of times as Caleb and I will often just sit and like get drunk and talk about things together. Um, Writers write. And uh, I think if we quit applying and and I don't mean this in a pejorative or judgmental sense, and this is how you feel, that's okay. But I think that 
we have done ourselves a disservice culturally to characterize some elements of the arts, writing, painting, music, etc., as these once-in-a-lifetime generational style industries, specialties, talents that require some stroke of genius or some, uh, some ephemeral thing beyond the act of doing. But the reality is if you want to chop down a tree, pick up an axe and start cutting a piece of wood. And if you want to make words on paper, get a piece of paper and start making words. And I think for me, a probably not helpful, but very functional for me transition from uh, there is no amount of random inspiration that will strike such that it will help me write the great American novel. Uh, And instead, if I want to write anything, I should sit down and start typing or writing uh, with a pen has helped tremendously. That's probably less helpful. What's been more helpful, honestly, in actually producing work product has been cracking my own blank canvas problem, which is something I've talked a lot about on this podcast. And I will tell you that the simplest way I have done that is I have started to write. And when I couldn't figure out what word I wanted to use or what thing I wanted to say, I just started substituting in all caps, the word something. And then I moved on to the next thing that I could write or could figure out that I wanted to say. And when I hit another wall, I put in all caps, something, and I kept doing that until I had a finished document. And then I went back and started attacking the somethings bit by bit uh, because I found that once I had a moment of clarity, uh, we we might say a rocking horse winner moment, um, uh, I would then get stuck in the, well, how do I perfectly say the next word? And that's the thing that ends your, your writing after seven minutes. And so it's become more important to me as of late to, so Brene Brown has this, this concept. And I know that I've talked about Brene Brown too much. And most of you think I'm an idiot for doing it. And also I don't fucking care because it's been helpful to me. Um, (laughs) Brene Brown has this concept of SFDs or shitty first drafts. And the premise is it doesn't matter what you're going to end up with, get something on paper and then you can go back and edit it and decide that you don't want people to see that, but get a shitty first draft out. And so I would encourage you, use placeholders, use spaces, use images or funny words that make you laugh to feel good, and just get to the end of the thing. And then you can go back and do everything else. And that has made it so much easier for me to produce work. And really and truly, I've not written a 400-plus page uh, award-winning RPG. I have not (laughs) written anything. Didn't win anything. Not not award-winning. I have not written uh, a, a, a published by actual company book about the zombies of the world. Uh, Which is award-winning. That's right. I have not, <laughs> in my free time, written papers for NASA. Uh, but I do produce a lot of fucking content in my job. And these things have helped me produce a fuck ton of content. Uh, and so I'm definitely at this point taking a machine gun approach to things that I produce. One of them is bound to hit something, maybe an artery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I don't have to be here because it's almost my answer uh, in the same way. So I also in my life have written a lot, um, some or all of about a hundred scientific papers. I think I'm going to come up I'm finishing my last one up before I leave the field now. So I come up just short of a hundred. Um, but that's a lot of that writing, and on top of that, proposals for time or money, um, hundreds of pages and job applications for faculty stuff. Um, Poor bastard. Just uh, 
a lot of writing. And yeah, I think the, the thing you have to realize is that like inspiration is bullshit. And that's just like in general, you know, like inspiration and talent only gets you so far. And really what you have to do is cultivate um, a discipline of craft to where you just show up and do what you need to do. And even if it's not great, you just, you just bang it out. So my routine is, is very similar to yours where I have this thing. I kind of call it hierarchical outlining, which is um, my, my, if I give it a fancy term, it feels better than it really is, which is <laughs> um, if I have to write, that's, that's writing, I, baby. Yeah. If, if I yeah. sit down, I will write, first of all, a, like a zeroth order thing of like, I need a paragraph about this here. I need a paragraph about this here. I need a paragraph about the, just like organizing all your thoughts and then going back mm-hmm. to each of those. Okay. And then I'll write like a sentence about this, a sentence about like, I'll literally, this is literally what I write into the document. Like mm-hmm. a sentence about this, a sentence yep. about this, a sentence yep. about this, a sentence about this. Um, and then if any of those sentences, how to word that, or if that information is in my head and accessible to my fingertips in that moment, those sentences will get written. Otherwise yep. I will just come back tomorrow. And that's my, I guess, you know, I, I very much treated grad school like a job. Like you show up, you work eight hours, you kind of do your nine to five. Um, if you have to do extra stuff at night, sure. But in general, if you really just sit and work during the day, you don't really have to grind, do the, the nighttime mm-hmm. all night or grind. And I go back there and I'm like, okay, I wanted to write a sentence about this. Okay, well, what's my reference for that? Okay, here's how they wrote about it. Okay, uh, bring out that sentence, this sentence, and just sort of build up then those a sentence about this becomes a fragment of words. It's almost a sentence. And you do that for as many as you can. And then eventually, after uh, some amount of iterations, you end up with a completed draft. And I've been doing this for many weeks now. I think last time I was on, I talked about doing the short story challenge. And I find this method also works for fiction in terms of banging out, you know, a three to 5,000 word short story every week, which is still in the shitty first draft phase when it's done. But it's it's something it's done. Uh-huh. It's that's right. It's just showing up and, and doing it. Unfortunately, I know that's not super helpful, maybe. But that's like the reality of the situation is that like it's not going to happen on its own. You're not you're not going to wake up one morning and just go. It doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-mm. You you know, there's one thing that that's helped me, and that is to put a proverbial gun to my head by giving myself a deadline that is external. So if I fuck up, other people are going to know that I fucked up, which is like, oh god, don't let that happen. So uh, like, in terms of things, like sign up, you know, do a freelance assignment or do something that like other people are going to know if you didn't do your shit on time. So that that sort of uh, uh, deadline is a great motivator for me. I mean, it feels terrible, but like once it's like it gets, I get to write. Like I I I I, I make myself write. So uh, if you're if you're procrastinating, if you can't, if internal deadlines don't work, like write a short story every week. If that doesn't motivate you, like put more pressure on yourself. Like if you want to write, you're gonna have to like do work, and you have to do whatever it takes to make you do that work. And for me, external deadlines are a hell of a motivator because oh god, I can't disappoint other people. That would be awful. So um, yeah. uh, everyone's different in that regard. But like, figure out what motivates you and and make that happen. No matter what it costs, uh, you're gonna have to to be a writer. It, it it's gonna be work. It's yep. gonna make you feel uncomfortable. Maybe like, writing for yourself would be a good way to get going. Like if you're anxious about mm-hmm. the quality of your writing or whatever, like the big advantage of the short story project is that no one fucking reads it. It just yeah. rots on, it's just going to rot on drive until Google shuts down and the earth implodes. Oh. Like <laughs> it's just, 
it's just entirely for me and that's appealing mm-hmm. yeah um yeah i think that's very good um i think when you talk to like actual writers and not four dudes on a podcast but like people who get invited places to be writers and shit and they answer these questions it it usually falls into two camps and i don't think either are particularly helpful because god knows that i have a watched all those interviews with those writers and b self-centeredly imagined myself answering those questions because i desperately want to be them with every fiber of my being um i have uh but it usually falls into two general camps so the camp is going to be that um the writer's right camp, which is, you know, it's about discipline. It's about showing up that kind of like um, inspirationalist thing. Right. Um, or it's generally going to be in the, um, you know, what's your advice on becoming a writer? The like sort of capitalist laughter. Don't, you know, that kind of thing, you know, the, the Harlan Ellison, like why would the fuck would you want to do something that stupid kind of answer? Um, at least from a lot of authors I follow, it generally is going to fall in one of those two camps. I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, not because it's convenient, but precisely because it isn't. Um, I don't think wanting to write is a healthy activity. Wow. Now, now, okay, I'm not saying it's like you got to get the poet's disease and put a gun in your mouth and live like naked on the streets of like the Moulin Rouge. I'm not, I'm not falling for that shit. I'm not saying that's necessary, nor am I saying that's even desirable. However, if you're looking at basic human behavior and the world in which you live, going into a room by yourself to at ritualistic or desperate addict intervals to furiously talk to yourself in your own head for little to no financial gain uh, in terms of, like, the future outcome. Of things you could be doing with your time, I could list no less than 300 that would be healthier than writing. That's right. I will tell you that the... I don't think it's doing crocodile. I don't think it's, like, bad than other things. But it doesn't feel like a thing that humans should really do a whole lot of. Because you're Mm. supposed to be standing up and like out in the sunshine and, and being social and shit, not in a fugue state writing. I don't know. Hypothetically, uh, cosmically nihilist, uh, fucking body horror for 34 hours straight wow. as, as might occur in like examples, but like even yeah. in a small example, I don't think it's the best use of your time. Caleb, so, Caleb staring at dead trees and hallucinating. Is awesome. <laughs> and you should recognize that. So, okay. I, so I'm like, here's the part of the problem with that, though, because like I agree with you. I agree with you with the part of me that believes that there and that there is a way to take care of yourself. And I know that you don't believe in that generally. But also, <laughs> I didn't finish. I didn't finish. But also, like I look back upon the year of my life where from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. all I did for four hours every night was write my dissertation, and I have terribly fond memories of how I felt about producing. Yes. Uh, that's yeah. exactly it. It's addiction. Right. That's it. That's those things that you were doing something terribly unhealthy and you look upon it fondly as the f- greatest years of your life. That's the definition of addiction. And that's what I'm saying it is. Like yeah. I'm saying it's not super healthy and I'm 
but I'm not making a moral judgment. Like, because I have made that judgment myself and I have gone for that. I think it's like developing in yourself an addiction to achieve an end. And can we make the argument that the aesthetic end of it is worth the price, which is a lot less than you would pay for any other psychological release, uh, any number of them I could name, because if I could name 300 healthier than writing, I could name 300 worse. You know what I mean? It's an addiction that you purposely inculcate in yourself. Like you have to do it for an amount of time, but you have to do it for an amount of time where it stops making sense to do it. You've got to do it when you're in the middle of something and it doesn't matter that it's your holiday or something where you keep doing it. You got to do it where you get an itch if you don't do it so that you can wait for inspiration but I'll get into the fucking headspace of writer's block and thinking it's never going to break because you know you're going to break the same way someone knows they're going to relapse. You you know it's going to be there. It gives you the confidence to accept the fact that you're in a dry spell because you know you're going to cop again. You feel itchy. Like, it feels weird. That's not a healthy headspace to be in. No, it's something not. that is in no way, shape, or form narcotic. But... Yeah. I think that's kind of what they're saying with the middle ground of that argument of, well, just write it's a nine to five, you know, put an egg timer out versus the don't do it cop out at all answer. And I I think that's it. I think it's a job like any other. Well, not like any other, but I think it's still a job, meaning that you give up your labor and your time to do it. And if your life did not require those inputs, those taxes of labor and time, Mm -hmm. you'd probably be healthier for it. Um, with the exception of like the 1% of the 1% that can make a full living off of it. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's not, I'm not saying it's a sacrifice that people shouldn't make. Obviously I'm not even saying it's a sacrifice that's undesirable for most people to make. Um, I think you sacrifice like certain aspects of your health when you get super into working out. Like I, I think that you're, you know, increasing other things. Everything is a balancing act. But I, I do think you just have to accept the fact that um, past a certain amount of time, you got to keep going because if it's if it doesn't feel healthy, it's working. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's that's my opinion. Uh, mm-hmm. Like if it feels like this is a really bad idea, that's a sign that it's like developing. Yeah, you're really getting you're really getting itchy for it. Like yeah. that's how it worked for me. But yeah, no, I I agree that 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 was the path, and I got stuck there. And honestly, I mean, to Caleb's point. That was uh, six years ago, seven years ago for me. And I still yearn, yearn. Not like, oh man, remember, like I spend days feeling unfulfilled because I have not found a feeling like that since then. But But I bet if you looked at like, the material conditions of your life at that time is the well, yeah. like yeah. you would also like deal with some dissonance there. Like, Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. I bet there's some things that you considered like seriously improved and awesome. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, for what I had, I have, I have like a, a paycheck now, which helps. <laughs> yeah. A paycheck for instance. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't yeah, think well. that's something we would go to want to go back to. And I, I right. just think that's the, that's the typical nostalgia of the youthful halcyon days when I had no responsibilities that yeah. I could name compared to my modern 
of your yeah. illness. Yeah. No, no, no. It's just how people look back on addiction. <laughs> I guess yeah. I guess my situation feels a little different because I still kind of have to show up and write every day as part of my yeah my job uh, stuff to bang out work and productivity. So yeah, I have nothing on that end compared to like teaching, other than keeping up with a certain amount of paperwork. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I was panicked over God's teeth, and then I wrote it in two months because eventually I broke and I I relapsed. Um, I'm working now and I know I couldn't have finished God's teeth while I was doing that, but I started another book while I was playtesting another book and um, nothing is solid yet because I am teaching in what is perhaps the worst year ever for everything. So far. far. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks dad. Uh, Anyway, um, uh, it, but, uh, even then I've started like writing the, I wrote all the front material for phase anatomy. I wrote a crap ton of rules for a slingstone play test that I have no idea when we'll be able to run. And the reason I did it was during the year of my unemployment when I was over a barrel to hell and I said, well, I'm going to make it work. And then I didn't make it work. I did give myself a crazy part of my brain that feels like it's going to explode if it doesn't write. And guess what? It's not bad. As as addiction goes to deal with, it's productive. You make money off of it. You don't have to have a heart attack while you're doing it. Like, there are worse things to get hooked to. Um, mm-hmm. And so that, if you want that, maybe, like, seek that out. Because a lot of the times before I got to that space when I would, like, write and be like, I think this is good. I think it make something of it. I'd be like, well, things are really busy at work. I haven't seen Sarah very much and because all that would be true, right? I should hang out more. It'd be unhealthy to do this. Yeah. Like, and yeah, I was right. I don't think I was wrong when I said that. Uh, I just reached a point where like, I didn't care. I had to do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, Sam, hope that helps. <laughs> and if it doesn't, no promise. The aristocrats. <laughs> I probably should have gone first, right? Decide. That might uh that probably should have not. If it doesn't help, it. feel free to read Jimmy Olsen's book, Show Up, wherein <laughs> he characterizes for you. Um Yeah, no, that is fucked up though. Um okay. Uh if you're listening to this, you're not necessarily a backer of a certain level yet. So don't forget you can find more Mix Six content on our Patreon. Just go to patreon.com, look for the Mix Six podcast. There is, frankly, a disturbing amount of additional content. We have done this six-beer talk-about-stuff thing so many times that in many other circumstances, you would worry about us. But as content creators, we signed up for this. So check us out on Patreon. You can also find us on Twitter at The Mix 6. You can find us on Facebook. We've got a page and a group. You can find stuff that we posted at some point in history. Just go to Instagram, The Mix 6 Podcast. And you can find stuff that people have done for us. Lord knows we wouldn't do that stuff on YouTube, Y-O-U-T-U-B-E dot com, not any of the other tubes. Probably, we hope, we've not actually checked. And if you forget any of that, just go to www.themixed6.com. That's our website. You can find all of those links and more. And if you're listening to this on a podcast streaming application, don't forget to rate and review us so other people can find this podcast. Burke, travel safely. When you you end up on the East Coast, it will be a different time when you sit with us for these kinds of shenanigans. 
but a different, different time than the one you're currently experiencing. So be prepared for that. Caleb? Caleb? I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm going to find us a good therapist. I think it'll help. We'll figure it out. I can help you out. I'm a relationship therapist. Oh, unbeat. Okay, the entire time he sounded like a robot, and I was terrified uh, that he didn't get his outro. No. Well, you sounded broken up to me. Yeah. Yeah, you're the frozen one, sir. Yeah. You're the frozen one, Stokes. It's with emotion. Emotion has frozen me. Frozen with skepticism. Um, Hey, this is the Mix 6 podcast. This is what we do every time. So if you Mm -hmm. liked what you heard, or if you thought, you know what, I bet they do it better than next time. Feel free to check out all of our other content, because there's a lot Mm -hmm. of it. And on that note, Caleb's still a little frozen. Oh, he's back. So now I can do my outro. This is the Mix 6 podcast. I'm Spencer. Caleb. I'm Burke. Talk to you next time. Ah, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.